Lord, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, your sight, your sight. Oh, God, our strength, our redeemer in whom we trust in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand for the reading of the scriptures. We're in Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. We want to get into the word of God. Amen. Get the, when you get there, say amen. If you don't have a Bible, let, look over on somebody next to you. It's okay. Be willing to share with your neighbor. You don't know where they are in life. Don't judge nobody. And don't say, where your Bible at? Don't do all that. Just say, just read with me. That's, 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 that's spiritual ghettoism. Don't do that. That's, that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Love on folk. Don't, don't, don't say, see, you coming to church without your Bible. You don't know where folk at. You don't know what happened. Just open your Bible and share lovingly. Amen. Uh, uh, chapter 8, verse 1. Chapter 8, verse 1. Amen. Uh, here it is. It's, it's, and all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate, and they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And, they, and, and he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. My God. In the presence of men and women and those who can understand, and the ears of all the people were attentive, say attentive, to the book of the law. And, uh, and Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him was Mattathiah, uh, Shema. Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, uh, Messiah on the right hand, and Padiah, Mashiach, Malkaja, uh, uh, Hashum, uh, Hashum, uh, Hash, Hashbadanach. There it is. I got it. Amen. And praise to God. Zechariah and Meshulam on his left. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was above all the people, and as he opened it, the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up hands, hallelujah. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. My God. Also Jeshua, uh, Benai, Sherebiah, Jamin, uh, Akub, uh, Shabbatai, uh, Hadiah, uh, that dude, uh, Kilita, Azariah, uh, Jazabad, Hanan, Paliah, the Levites helped the people to understand the law. Mm. While the people remained in their places, they read from the book, for the, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Salah. And Nehemiah, who was governor, and Ezra, the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, The day is holy to the Lord our, your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept 
as they heard the words of the law, then he said to them, go and eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions to any who has nothing ready for this day is holy to the Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people saying, shh, be quiet for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared. What a beautiful, 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 beautiful passage. I'd like to talk about today, rebuilt through the centrality of the word. Rebuilt through the centrality of the word. You may sit down. Um, this, this, this passage of scripture has been a bulwark of sorts for me. It's been booming for me and, 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 and just rocks my world every time I read it. It has shaped so much and continues to shape so much about how, how I think uh, um, about, about the scriptures. So, and, so, and so today they, they are getting in a place where they are being re-centralized in the word because for 114 years there's been very little biblical exposition. There has been very little teaching. There has been very little going on in the lives of the people. There have been prophets, exilic prophets, pre-exilic prophets who went into captivity with them, post-exilic, meaning those who were carried away into slavery with them, and, and they were prophesying. But there was a, a, a famine of the Lagos and the Rhema of God. There, there, there was no word from God for, for a very long time in and, and, and the sense of how they were set up to be structured and that sort of thing. So, so, so they, they asked Nehemiah, uh, they asked Ezra rather, to go get the scriptures. I, I like that. They say, go get the Bible. And, and, and he got the first five books of the Bible. Um, and, he, and it was probably in one scroll or, or in sectors of several scrolls. And the people of God got together for this. And, and, and I'm blown away by this passage in, in, for many reasons. I'm blown away because there, there is, even though we have more Bibles in our context in, um, in America than you can ever imagine. I mean, we got ESV, NEB, uh, ESV, NIV, uh, uh, TEV, New King James Version, Old King James Version, Living Translation, New Living Translation. We got Bible.net, Bible.org, Lagos, BibleWorks, Accordance. Uh, Bible gate. We got a whole bunch of access to the Bible, but even in the midst of such a great plethora of translations, transmissions, seminaries, churches, preachers, deacons, and believers, I believe that there's a biblical famine still. There, 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 there is a sense in which people trust everything else except for the scriptures. I hate the terminology that the Bible is the final authority. I hate that terminology because that means you try everything else, and then when nothing else works, then you want the Bible. But that's not the way to do it. That's the dumb way to do it. Amen, somebody. Um, 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 but but, but, but uh, let me see if I can make it plain. Y'all looking at me funny. So it, it, it's, it, it's like me going to change the timing belt on my car. Now, I'll be oily in a mug trying to get up in there and take all that stuff out. I'll be tearing stuff up, lighting stuff up. When, when, and I'm trying to do it on my own when I could have just taken it to the mechanic and, and, and let the mechanic work on it. And the mechanic probably going to look at it after I've tried to do what I tried to do with it and say, if you would have come to me a long time ago, you would have paid less money. But because you decided to do it on your own and come to me finally instead of first, then what's going to happen is now you owe me more money. Some of our lives are like that with the word. 
Many of us try to work on our lives ourselves, and we keep messing it up. It ain't working. I'm going to get myself together. I'm going to get it done. You got to come to the scriptures. <laughs> the scriptures. You, 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 can't, you can't make yourself whole. You better recognize that wholeness only comes through Jesus. It only comes through his word. And so the people of God have a recognition of this. And now they, they, I like the fact that they told Ezra to go get the scriptures, which brings us to our first point of four points today. First point, God's word must be revered. God's word must be revered. They said, Ezra, go get the scriptures. And so, and so as Ezra goes by God's grace and goes and gets the scriptures, he comes before them. And I, I, and I like the fact that Ezra comes before him. But you really can't appreciate, you really can't appreciate Ezra coming before him and what's going to happen in this passage until you see the, 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 the backdrop of this entire passage. Stay with me. I'm just going to lay some foundation. Is that okay? And, and so over in Ezra chapter 7, the book before Nehemiah, just turn backwards. Ezra chapter 7. It impacts the way in which Ezra approaches the people of God when they told him to get the word of God in this passage. And, and, and so in Ezra chapter 7, there, there's a verse there that, 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 that rocks and blows my mind, and I, and I, and I love it so much. It, it says, for Ezra had set his heart, somebody say heart, to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes, God's statutes, and rules in Israel. I like that. That's a good succession. Because he didn't just get before the people of God and start reading and preaching the word of God. But, but it's interesting that Ezra 7.10 says he set his heart. Say heart. Yeah, that's very, very important. It, 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 in other words, he wanted to make sure that his heart disposition was right before he started talking to somebody else about it. See, you, we don't, we're not Bible toters and quoters merely who go with a, go, uh, with, a, with a gospel bazooka and bust people open with the word of God. But see, when you have your heart set, that means your mind, your emotions, and your will set for the word of God to be, become a part of the matrix of your life, to change your value system, to change your affections, to change your volition, to change your direction, to change your life. It, 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 the, different, the disposition is interesting because it didn't say he studied the law of the Lord and then set his heart to it. It said he set his heart first in a position to be fertile space for the word of God to penetrate it. And I like it that in, in the New Testament, through the parable of the soils, we see that, there's, that Jesus has to develop the heart condition of our heart to be fertile enough to receive the word of God. So what Jesus does through the gospel is he gives us a new heart through repentance and belief in him. When we get this new heart, we have a heart of receptability. Say receptability. That's very important because if you don't have a heart of receptability, you can recite and, and, and all of that. But no matter how much reciting you have, if you don't have heart receptability, it won't penetrate it. And so, and, so, and so the Bible says that Ezra set his heart, set his heart, put his heart in the disposition to be receptive to the word of God. But after his heart was, was, was set in the disposition, then he studied. Then he studied. That means he got into the word and mound in the word. He set his heart to study the law of the Lord. And then it says, and, it, and now y'all got to understand, it ain't talking about like he didn't have all of the joints we got. You know, he didn't, he, you know, he didn't have, he didn't have all the, all, all those, he, we just talking about the, the, the Tanakh. I mean, not Tanakh, Tanakh's all for, for Old Testament. We talking about Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Like stuff like, you know what I'm saying, get the cattle and bring them to me and bring the bull and the goat and lay out wood. I mean, he talking about, I'm setting my heart to know that. 
He's not, not uh, he's a lamp to my feet and a light to my back. That, that, you know, that, that's a part of it, but he wasn't talking about that part at that point in time. He was talking about the first five books, and it's interesting that all of the word of God was palatable to him. He wasn't rejecting it, the hard words of God. Some of us like the fuzzy words of God, but he was willing to set his heart to know the whole of what God said because he wanted to make sure that everything that God was doing in his life, he wanted it to penetrate it, to, to, to eat him up and to get at him. But, but then he didn't just stay in the warm fuzzy of his devotional time. In other words, that point in time in the morning where you have your cup of coffee, your tea, and the sun is rising and the dew is on the grass and you're excited and you're in your bedroom, slippers, girls with your pink little rabbit joints on, or, you know, because I see y'all walking down the street all the time with them on. And, uh, and, and, then, and then dudes with you, you know, your boxes on, you, you know what I'm saying? You haven't showered yet, and you get to work. Like, 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 and, and then, ah, this feels good. But he didn't leave it there. The Bible says, and, and, and he set his heart to study it and to do it. In other words, there, there was a comprehensive motion of heart that, that, that Ezra had that God gave him a disposition for to help him to be ready for his glory. And, and so, and so, and so, so he's, he set his heart, and God placed, helped him to place his heart in the right place. He studied it. That means getting the right division of the word of truth. And then from there to be able to execute it. And after that, teach Israel. Right? Some people like to talk and teach, but, no, but not have any grittiness of the glory of God in their heart through the word of God. I wish I had some help right there. But y'all quiet. And so Ezra. Ezra went that way, and, I, and, and, and look up in verse 6 of that same chapter. It says, this Ezra went from Babylon. He was a scribe, skilled. That means, that's the, that's the word for wise. Uh, skilled in the law of Moses that the Lord, the God of Israel, had given. And the king granted him all that he asked, for the hand of the Lord his God was on him. I like that. Spurgeon has a beautiful treatise called Lectures to My Students. And in the section of lecture to my students, he has a part of that book. It's called The Minister's Self-Watch. And, and it's so beautiful because it can be for anybody, not just ministers. He says something about our relationship with the Word of God and talking to others. He says, what a dreadful thing it would be for me if I should be ignorant of the power of the truth which I am preparing to proclaim. I, I, our, our lives must be penetrated by the Word of God so that then the word of God, we understand its power because it develops your faith in a different way because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. When you've experienced the word of Christ, I wish I had some help um, by some people that's been in the word of God. But when the word of God has been in your life, it develops your faith and it creates a strengthening of your faith to believe more of God's word. And that's, that's, that's what it does. And when, when that happens, and after you keep seeing the track record, of God's work in your life and in your heart, it makes you have faith to assimilate more of it into yourself. You know what I'm saying? That's why James says, receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your souls. In other words, it's not talking about justification. It's talking about sanctification. In other words, when the word gets implanted, it uproots stuff. It pulls stuff out. It, it, it scales stuff over. And what it does is it begins to put fertile ground and develop so it can plant inside of you, so it can stick to your ribs. Like, 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 like my man of Dwight's, the, the barbecue place up the street, they got this vegetable rice. Make me want to go across the counter and smack him in Jesus' name. <laughs> the joint is good in the mug. When you eat it, you're like, dang, is this rice? Wow, this rice. It got peas and it's good. 
but it sticks to you. Then he got the, then he, then he got, then, then, then he got the beef ribs. And when you eat it, it you, the fat just pulls back and you leave that alone, but you're like, dang, I want the fat. Ah, and then it, it just, you can just feel, you can just feel the, the anointing of the food working down in your body. Amen. And so all that to say is, is, is that that needs to happen in our lives. And so as we go back, as we go back to Nehemiah, as we go back to Nehemiah and we're still on the first point, reverence towards the word of God. It says all the people gathered as one man. I like that. They had a church gathering. The assembled ones of God got together into the square. They went down to Center City, Jerusalem, down by the Comcast building, by the water gate where the water's coming down. And it says, and they told Ezra the scribe, get the Bible. And so Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly. I like that. Both men and women and all who can understand what they heard. That doesn't mean the young, young, young bucks weren't there, but the purpose of, the, of him bringing the word of God was for them. There was all types of people groups from Jerusalem, I mean from uh, Israel that were there in Center City, Jerusalem. And it says, and he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. Let me stop there. Let me, can I stop there? Is that okay? Let, let me tell you something. If some of y'all jokers in this mug right now, preaching makes you go to sleep. Soon as the word of God preached, no matter if a duke can holler at the top, it's not soon as the word, and the word of God, you're going all like this, people nodding, you hitting, and you're not interested in the kingdom. But what's interesting is, is these people, these people stood on their feet from sunrise and you'll see later longer, but to midday, just listening to the word of God being read. Now, now, now let, let me explain something to you. Let me, let me explain something to you. There has to be a level of hunger in you. Now, he didn't exegete the text. He didn't read the classics. He didn't bring out a commentary talking about the sense of the word. He didn't bring out a lexicon. All he did was have several dudes flank him on both sides. The podium was laid out. They laid the scroll up. Two dudes on this side. One grabbed the top. One grabbed the bottom. One grabbed the top and the bottom on this side. And then they rolled it out and opened it. And he started at Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was tohu vuvohu, formless and void. And so what he began to do is he began to read from there, and he read, and they kept opening the scroll, and this dude was folding it over on this side as the scroll was going past, and the people were standing there. Teenagers. 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 Pre-elementary cats, too. All who can understand. Stood the whole hour, five hours about to listen to the scriptures that hadn't been heard in 114 years. You know, nobody preached, nobody taught, he just read. And I asked God, can we do that today? See, see, you gotta want God to stand for his word that long. See, see, you're, you're, listen, 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 but, but not only want God, you have to know the state of your soul. Because when you know the state of your soul, it makes you desperate. It makes, it makes you, it makes you, it, it, oh God, it, 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 it makes, it makes you 
take on extraordinary measures that you wouldn't normally do. There's just a disposition of the people of God in this passage that gives me chills. Uh, 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 goosebumps are riding up on me because I'm rocked by cats standing there. Nobody complaining some more. The preacher need to hurry up and go on like this, sitting all down. Everybody stood up attentive to text. Does not tell us that people got tired. They were attentive to the word of God. I wish we had a generation. that was attentive, but the Word of God didn't bore you. The Word of God didn't make you sleepy. But your soul is so part, let me see if I can make it plain. Your soul is so part, you need, well, my wife, I love my sweet pea. She likes to go in this place called Bed Bath and Beyond, or Bath and Body Works, one of them. They're both the same to me. I really don't like going in there, but I'm trying to live with my wife in an understanding way. I hate the cucumber lime and the, the peach fuchsia and the colors, and it's, they give y'all bags, and they're pink bags. Hold my bag for me, baby, while I get my stuff. I'm walking around like, live with my wife in an understanding way. Live with my wife in an understanding way. Live with her in an understanding way. And so, you know, I, I, I mean, I know we got different ethnicities in here, but those are the darker hue, especially the dudes. You know what I'm saying? Um, our hands look like somebody smoked 42 cigarettes on them sometimes. Ashy than a mug. I remember I was talking to a white friend of mine. He said, what's ashy? I was like, oh. Right? <laughs> Man, hands look like they're about to crack up and bleed. So I'm, 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 in, the, I'm in the Bath and Body Works, and my wife gets this stuff in this tube. You got something in your bag? You got the baby? That's the, you got it, don't you? Because she's going to hand it to me because she's going to tell me, before you get up and breathe, it's called, it's called, it's called lay it on thick. <laughs> Look, it's some shea butter, right? I said, what's this old feminine stuff? My white brother had me smelling like some apples and stuff, man. You know what I'm saying? And she put it on and she just put it in my head. She did like this. And squeeze that joint, it's like this. My, my wife had a blood vessel going up her arm. Got in my hand, and then, and then, and then she said, okay, rub your hands together, baby. She had to instruct me. I smelled it, I was like, oh, okay, it's neutral, okay. Rubbed it, and man, I put it on my hands. Let me tell you something. I felt the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. Go through my hands, and that shea butter went through the cracks and crevices of my hands, and it began to heal places I didn't know was messed up. And my hand, now I'm looking like, dang, I got like dishpan hands now, you know what I'm saying? And, and what am I saying that for? Because, because, because you need to know the state of your soul, because when the word of God hits it, it's like shea butter for your spirit. It, it'll get into the cracks. It'll get into the crevices. And it'll heal places you didn't know you had because what he wants to do is he wants to get. So when you're desperate for God's word, it'll just, it'll just, it won't glaze over stuff. It goes into the deepest places, the lowest of lows, and to the highest of highs. Why? Because the word of God is powerful. And that means you got to know how cracked up your soul is. And in need of the word of God, I wish I had some help right there. That we need the word of God. So these people stood for hours upon hours upon hours upon hours because of the word. And I'm rocked by God's grace on them, but I, I got to move. I got to move. Oh, God, help me. I got to move. But 
This is what it says out there. It's an Ed, as I'm about to call him Ed. Um, I feel God. Verse 4. He said, and Ezra, the scribe, stood on a wooden platform that they made for the purpose. Help me, God. They, before he got the Bible, said, before we get the Bible out, we're going to build a pulpit. Because we want, we want, and it says, and he was over the people when he stood up, right? They wanted it to be higher than the people as the word of God was being read, not just for volume. It was for that, but before them to have a certain disposition of heart of how the word of God penetrated everybody. And it says they made it for the purpose. I, I remember I, I, my first church that I was in as a college student at Bowie State University, um, I, I, I went to First Baptist Church of Highland Park. My wife grew up in that church. Got saved in it at 12. I saved at 12 years old. Man, I remember one time, I remember one time I was walking up the steps to the pulpit, and I was about to go around the pulpit, and I had some deacons and some of the, some of the, the, the missionaries. They, you know, and I'm like, y'all got to understand, I'm fresh off the devil's auction block. So I ain't like, I ain't like sanctified in the practical sense. I got some. Some gulliness up in your boy, you know what I mean? So, so I'm going up the joint. Hey, 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 I was about to walk behind the joint. Cats about to tackle me, grabbing me like old heads, old heads to be like this on the front row. Got up and, you know, they, you know what I'm saying? And, I, and I'm like, what? You know what? Oh, oh, you, oh brother, you, you cannot, you cannot go behind the pulpit. And you know, I'm first up about all this old traditionalism, you know what I'm saying? All these cats, man, I'm fresh off the block. See, that's why no cats don't want to come to church anyway, because y'all got all this stuff. You know, and I'm about to rattle off a whole bunch of stuff. But the ghost was in me enough for me to shut my mouth. They had to, they said, now, it's a little podium down here that they had that was different than the pulpit. That was the lower platform. I could go to that one. And I asked why, why, why. They, they said, it's, it's, it's really nothing special about the wood. It's really nothing special about the little light on top. And the two microphones that come towards you this way. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And the orange juice and the water that's under the bottom. Y'all don't know about that. <laughs> but, 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 but they said, see that big book up there? See that big book that we keep open all the time. We keep it open because we don't want nothing happening behind it that doesn't have anything to do with it. It changed my view of that tradition immediately because I knew that some traditions have rich meaning. And, 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 I, and, I, and I believe that in our context, we've lost the sanctity of some things. We want everything to be regular. But it was interesting that in Nehemiah chapter 8, they were more biblical in the way they did the pulpit than many of us are because they viewed the word of God as exalted. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I, I went to see where, 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 where some guys preached in Boston when I was doing my doctorate. And, man, they had this a suspended pulpit. I don't know if you've ever seen one of them. Junk was just up there, right? They had a pole that held it up, and then it was a spiral stair, and it was only one person at a time could be in there. And it was interesting, and they were explaining the history of it. They said they wanted the pulpit to be the highest place, and they wanted the preacher as he walked up there to know that he was walking to a special place 
to do something special. And I, 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 I want, I'm not saying we got to build a roster or anything here in the remembrance of me table, but what I am saying, what I am saying is that I, I believe that we need to re-hold the word of God in its proper place. We need to put the word of God in its proper place. And this Bible said that they stood for hours. They stood in verse 5, it says, and Ezra opened the book. And so what he does is they tell the story because he's in his journal, and then he goes back and retells it. This brings us to our next point. God's word should spark worship. Can I say that again? <laughs> the, the word of God should spark worship. Look, look, at, look at verse 5. We're going to take all our time today, maybe 15 after. All right, here we go. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And he opened it, and all the people stood. Wow. There was spontaneous standing as soon as the Bible was open. Ah, I love that. I love that. I remember I went to a church to preach, and as soon as I stood up to open the Bible, everybody just went, I just, I loved it. I loved it. And it says, and Ezra blessed the Lord. Listen, after he read the John. He couldn't take it no more. He didn't preach or nothing. Now, Ezra, that same guy from Ezra 7.10, who had set his heart to study the law and to do it and to teach it to Israel, had just read the word of God, and he went into worship. Y'all didn't hear that. He heard the word of God read, and he went into spontaneous glorification of God. It says, it says after the word was finished, Ezra started going like this. Ezra started saying, hey, going, and he went to worship it. I know he did it like that. And Ezra went to worshiping God. It wasn't traditionalism. It was celebration. And Ezra's worship of God poured out onto the people. And the Bible says that the people that were standing there didn't sit down, but they lifted their hands too. And as they began to lift their hands, some people bowed their heads and tears started coming out of eyes because after 114 years, the word of God had finally been read. And some people, they had their hands up. There was no band. There was no bass player. There was no sound system. Uh, there was no carpet. There was no walls. They were standing in the midst of a center of a broken city. And as they were standing in the middle of a broken city, they said, we want to rebuild, but we want to be rebuilt through the word of God. The word of God has returned and the word of God is being read. And old heads who said, I hadn't heard this in a long time, started weeping. Tears started going. And some people just did like this based on the verse. They just went on ahead and they just did like this and just laid on the ground because they just couldn't take it no more because the word of God had just been read. And they wanted to reverence and worship the living God for allowing the word of God to be preserved and kept so that they can hear it, so they can experience it, so they can study the law of the Lord, so that the word of God can penetrate their hearts. I wish, I wish we could get that back. It said he barathed the Lord. He barathed the Lord. He's, and they called him the great God. Anytime you read the Bible, God's going to become bigger. Let me say that again. Anytime you read the word of God, God's going to become bigger. It, said, it didn't say he blessed the Lord God. It said he blessed the great God. The great God, the massive God, the omniscient God, the God you can't jump over, the God you can't get under, the God you can't get around. He blessed the great God, the God who laid the landscape of eternity, the great God, the God who laid the landscape of time, the great God. I preach if you let me. The God of heaven who spoke into nothing and everything had to obey the great God. The God who came to Abraham, the God who came to Isaac, I'll preach if you let me. The God who went to Jacob, the God 
who gives the word of God. The God who sent Moses on top of a mountain with his glory and Shekinah all around it. That God, the God who showed up in the incarnate form of Christ in a burning bush. And Moses, he said, Moses, don't come over here unless you take off your sneakers because this right here is holy ground. I'll preach if you let me. The holy God, the mighty God. Tell him, come close, and he began to dictate to him. Matter of fact, the first John wasn't even written with Moses' hand. Fire came out from the John, wrote on the wall graffiti, the Ten Commandments. God so wild with his, then he goes, with a lightsaber, John came out, and now he got the tablet. Bananas. The word of God, the great God, and that sparked worship in the people of God. That's about worshiping the people of God. That, that, that's, that's, listen, that's not some old traditionalism. It's a biblical response to the truth of the word. It should have first place. It should have central place, and it should have all space. I got to go to the next point. I'll I keep going on that. I'll I keep going on that. First, third, third point, third point, because I got to move. I got to move. God's word must be explained. I, I, I like this section because what they began to do now is in the next section. Look, look at what it says. It says, these cats in verse 7, it says, And the Levites helped the people to understand the law. While the people remained in their places, wherever they were standing, they stood there. And then they read from the book. So they did it over again. That's crazy. So they already read it, right? Now he goes, they just read, and they went to worship. They said, ha! Cats was all in, right? Then he said, all right, all right, all right, we, we've... We, we, un, we, we had an intellectual interaction with the Lord, with the word. We've had an emotional and passionate interaction with the word. Now we're going to have a volitional interaction with the word. Because remember, the, the role, what did he say? Set his heart to study. Heart, volition, I mean passion, right? Passion. The, uh, 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 to study, intellect, value system. Then to do it, volition. So the last stage is volition. That means execute, to do. So, so, so now they're explaining it. It says they read from the book, from the law of the Lord clearly, and they gave the sense. I like that. We're going to go back and explain some of these words. Is that okay? So that the people understood the reading. Now, he broke them up into small groups. While they were standing there, they had life groups right there. They didn't wait, they didn't wait till Wednesday and Tuesday. They had a spontaneous life group. Amen, Pastor Larry. And then all of the guys dispersed out into 42,800 or 600 people based on the earlier part of chapter 7. Chapter 7. And they all broke out and spread out all over the place. All of these guys dispensed all through the congregation. And what Ezra did is he reread the word of God over again. But this time they began exegeting the text. So, 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 so now, it, it's, it's in there. I like the word when it says help understand. That word means to, to, to have a specialized knowledge that effectively helps people to implement what God says. So now they begin breaking that thing up. And it says, and giving the sense uh, clearly, and they gave the sense. Sense there means to understand, to have wisdom, discretion, prudence, the expl explanation of information of set principles. That's why I spend so much time on words. Because I want everybody from the Ph.D. to the block captain to understand God's word, to understand it. it, it we do not have an elitist philosophy of preaching and teaching. We, we don't want to just give you back your theology in your big language. 
But what we want to do is if it's not chopped up and cut up, it's prideful. Amen, somebody. Um, and so, and so, and so what, what we want to do is we don't want to shirk around theology. We don't want to shirk around doctrine, but we don't want to swim of it, on it in an abstract mass of nothingness. What we want to do by God's grace is begin to shout. That's why I'll say stop. Look at this word. This is what the word means. Why? Because it's important that you get the sense of what God is saying. In this text, that's what he was doing. The, they were relearning Hebrew, n- number one. So they were getting the word of God. So they had to relearn their language because they were speaking Babylonian. They had learned how to speak Persian. And so now many of them, the language was lost. So they had to reteach them Hebrew. So they had a literacy class and a life group at the same time and an exegetical Bible study methods and hermeneutics class at the same time to help the people of God to understand the word of God. That means everybody is expected to get up on some exegesis. Uh, 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 women, women, I don't need all that. I just, no, you need Bible and doctrine. Amen. Uh, men, you need some Bible and doctrine. Amen. But what's good about it is they were doing it so they could understand it so that they can live that reality out. I like the way, I like the way Paul puts it in the New Testament. Uh, uh, he, he, said, he said, these are some of the goals of his teaching. He says, the goal of our instruction, 1 Timothy 1.5, is love from a pure heart, a, a sincere faith, and a clear conscience. There's that heart word again. In other words, the instructor, even in the New Testament, had to have his heart worked on in order to teach others, right? I love that. Uh, 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 centralized in the cross, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 3, I consider myself to know nothing among you but Christ and him crucified. The centralization of the cross. Then uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17, I'll be out of your way in a minute. He says that we may be thoroughly equipped. But this is my favorite verse in the New Testament of Jean. If first, I mean, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 said that the word of God may richly dwell in you. Uh, if I could, uh, see, this make me think of something. Um, we, we, we went to Cheesecake Factory, me and the wife. Cheesecake Factory. Listen, they got this chocolate cake. It's this tall. They put pudding on one level, fudge on one level. Then they put mousse around it, chocolate mousse. Then they lay it fat, boom. It takes me two weeks to eat it, literally. Then they put, uh, and I don't like whipped cream, but I like it with this. Where you go, get you up with whipped cream. So what you do, I mean, it's too much. It's just, oh, it's massively rich. And I take it, I scoop it, and I look at it. Then I go to the whipped cream. I make a a right to the whipped cream. Then I look at that together. Then I put it in my mouth, and then I just, just some endorphins start releasing across the synaptic cleft, and the neurotransmitters just, just start going crazy. And I feel the Holy Ghost at that point. <laughs> but, 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 but I can't eat it all in one sitting because it's too much in it. It's too rich for me. So I have to eat it in stages because it's too much for me. I wish I had some help. The Word of God is rich. And it's so rich that you can't just gobble it down. You got to eat that word in some stages. Uh, I, but, but what's beautiful about the Word of God is every word of God is like chocolate cake. It should be rich. That's why he said, let it richly dwell in you. I wish I had some help. And so, and, so, and so in our lives, that's what the word of God is supposed to be like. It's supposed to release spiritual endorphins into our soul. But then it goes to my last point. That's why I need to sit down. I need to stop talking. Um, last point. God's word brings a deep sense of satisfaction. God's word brings a deep sense of satisfaction. Look, look at I'm in the Bible. Look at it. it <clears throat> look at verse 9. It says, and I'm going to close on this. It says, and Nehemiah 
who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. I had another point here, but I didn't put it because it's not the sense of the text, not the thrust of the text, but the point it's trying to make. It's going to have a point that says the word of God is convicting. But it, but, but it wasn't appropriate for this sermon because they didn't think that the conviction was appropriate. Not because conviction isn't appropriate, but because they were going, they hadn't, hadn't heard the word of God in a long time. And they heard it read and they worshiped, but they didn't understand what, what they were reading. They were just excited that the word of God had been reinstituted. But when they started exegeting the text and explaining what the word of God meant, those tears of joy turned into tears of conviction. But, 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 but they said, no, it's Sabbath, number one. Number two, it's about to be the Feast of Booths. Number three, it's about to be Yom Kippur. And he said, don't weep. Why? Because God wants you to be convicted of your sin, but he doesn't want you to stay in your sin. And he said, I don't want you to stay there, so come, so come on, because I want you to celebrate the fact that God is about to remove your sin from you. Be listen, oh, I wish I had. Listen, and, and, and what they didn't want them to do is start despairing about their sin and start wallowing in hopelessness. Because, 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 see, the people that need to be told to be convicted are the people that are not convicted. But the people that's already convicted, you don't have to tell them to repent because they're already there. So they were already in a state of repentance, and so they didn't want them to the repentance. See, 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 if you if you don't have if you don't sense forgiveness, but you're repentant, you're gonna go in a state of despair. But what happens is, is when you sense forgiveness in that pain, you get to worship and have satisfaction in the living king. And so Yom Kippur was the day of atonement, where the high priest went in once a year. And he went in once a year to, 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 for the sins of the people. But what was difficult about that is their sins were only put on layaway. Because the blood of bulls and goats never took away sin. But it was pointing ultimately to the God-man who would come and die on the cross for their sins. But, but look at what he tells them, though. Look at what he tells them. Look what he tells them. He says, uh, he says, the day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Some of us do need that James 4, weeping. But then he says to them, go your way, eat of the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing. For this day is holy to the Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That word joy means to be satisfied. That word joy means to be satisfied. It means to have full-fledged satisfaction with God and nothing else. In other words, when you hear the word of God, the word of God should spark joy in you because it should spark satisfaction with God. The more you get to know the great God, the more you're satisfied. See, if you're satisfied with yourself, you're going to be frustrated. But what's good about this passage is the joy of the, he said, no, 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 stop crying. It's okay. It's okay. People hyperventilate. No, 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 no. The joy of the Lord is your strength. In other words, don't let your tears be your strength. Don't let your grief be your strength. Don't let your pain be your strength because you'll find something else to be satisfied in. But the joy of the Lord, satisfaction with the Lord is your strength. Now, I like this word strength here because the word strength here is a powerful Hebrew word. It's a word that means mountain. It, 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 it means stronghold. When David was running from Saul, I'm, I'm closing. I'm getting out your way, but I got three minutes. He, uh, uh, when, when David was running, it said, it, when they were looking for David, they said, where is David? He's in one of the strongholds. And what was the stronghold? The stronghold was a mountainous cave with different cracks and crevices in it that you can hide from your enemies in. I wish I had some help right there. 
And so one time Saul came in there looking for David with his big robe on. He's about seven feet tall, the Bible says, you know what I'm saying? It ain't say specifically, but it said he was tall. And he was the most handsome fly dude in Israel. Big old fine uh, Denzel Washington from the Middle East type dude, right? You know what I'm saying? Walking along, you know what I'm saying? Doing this thing, looking for David. David sees him. He's in the crack of a rock. He grabs his jones and cut a piece so he can know, look, God protected me. But look, you ain't even find me, pal. But then he repented of it later. But what was powerful is that that stronghold well, his enemy came in and couldn't see him. Why? Because he was hiding in something bigger than him. See, when the Bible says, when the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is your strength, that means you're hiding in someone that's bigger than you. That means you're satisfied with the one that can cover you. You're satisfied with the one that can take care of you. You're satisfied with the one that can heal you. You're satisfied with the one that loves you. You're satisfied with the one that has forgiven your sin. You're satisfied with him because God is better than anything else. God is better than your pain. God is better than your messed up mind. God is better than your boyfriend. God is better than your boyfriend. God is better than your boyfriend. God is better than your girlfriend. God is better than your wife. God is better than your shoes. God is bigger than your hair. God is better than your car. God is better than your house. God is better than your pastor. God is better than your church. God is better than your neighborhood. God is better than your teeth. God is better than your sight. God is better than your gear. God is better than your glory. God is better than everything in your life. Why? Because there's nothing in your life that can satisfy you like the Lord. I heard him say, I searched far and wide, and I've looked everywhere. And everywhere I looked, they failed me because they ceased to satisfy. I was a weed addict. I was a drug addict. I was a drunk. I was a hoochie addict. But they never, they always sent me coming back for more. But when Jesus came, and he came and got me, and I was able to put my faith in him, my lack of satisfaction stopped because he soothed the savage beast. He removed the evil of my soul. And now I'm learning the secret of what it means to be content with the living God. <laughs> no matter, let me tell you something. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, if you allow the great God to satisfy you, satisfies me. The Bible says he satisfies me with long days. He satisfies me. Satisfaction, that means contentment. Contentment, wherever God has you, he has you there. Even if you made a mistake and you're there because of your mistake, God disciplined you to put you in that place so that you can find him again. <laughs> he wants to be your strength. I don't care what you, I, I, I know what happens in this neighborhood with the college students and the block. And let me tell you, all of us need to find our satisfaction in him alone. There's nothing in your life. Don't learn the hard way like I had to. Don't learn. God is the best of 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 the best. And somebody needs to put their trust in him today. Somebody needs to recommit their trust to him today. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Through Christ. Christ, we, 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 we all fell in the first Adam into full-fledged sin. But Jesus Christ came. He came. And he lived a life we could never live. But he redeemed us through the death that he died, and he was raised up on the third day from the dead. He saved us. 
If you have, if you repent of your sin, turn away from it and have faith in him alone. Have faith in him alone. You can be saved. 